listening to episode 250 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our analysis of Joss Whedon's Dollhouse. And, you know, it, it seemed like about a year ago, every night we recorded, there was like a thunderstorm, and uh, we yeah. got one tonight. Yeah, we certainly do. I was just driving in it, uh, barely avoided uh, having to run to the car in it, as uh, my daughter had a lacrosse game. And then, of course, every single person in the park left at the exact same time because, you know, those storm clouds were rolling in. And so there were, you know, softball games going on and people playing soccer and people jogging. And everyone is trying to leave this place at the same time that has just one entrance and exit. It's the same place. And, of course, no median for the left-turning people. So it was just a big, big mess. So... All right. No, you mentioned softball. We had softball size hail out here. Yes. Okay. That's that's a lot. Yeah. They weren't. Well, well, yeah. It was. It was. <laughs> it definitely had hail. Like I was. I had just gotten a new windshield like a month ago. So um, when the hail started, I was just like, "Oh, please, just don't, don't, don't get my windshield, please." Ah. Uh, anyway, well, you survived. So I did. I made it back huh. here. Got some Chick Fil A, and here we are, ready to record. All right. Well. Before we begin, Wayne and I want to remind you, we'd love to hear from you via email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. You can go to the website, leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab, record your own audio clip if you'd like, send us the MP3, tweet us at sci-fi TV rewatch. But I think the best method, as always, is join the Facebook group and get in the discussions there. All right. Now, obviously, we're here to talk about Dollhouse tonight. Uh, we're not going to do any tips of the week, but a little bit of news. And I, I'm sure most of the listeners have already heard this, but we're still waiting for NBC to make a decision on Timeless. And to be honest, I love the show, but the numbers are not good. Season two, I thought was really strong. NBC's already had their upfront, so I'm sure they're doing a lot of behind the scenes wrangling at this point. I mentioned last week how much I love Lucifer, and of course Fox turns right around and cancels it, despite a huge cliffhanger. I mean, this is about as big a cliffhanger as you can get. Bigger than the Sarah Connor Chronicles cliffhanger? Uh, pretty, yeah, pretty big. Wow, yeah. okay. Because that, that, that was the previous gold standard, so maybe Lucifer has displaced that one, huh? Well, in fact, the showrunner came out and said, look, I'm sorry, I, I know the fans are going to be upset and there are a couple ways to look at it that you had to know you were on the bubble, at least to a certain right. degree. So why would you go all in like that? Still, uh, we're waiting to see if another network picks it up. I guess fingers crossed. And then Marvel fans, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did get renewed for a season six, but it's down to 13 episodes from 22. And then the catch is it's not going to air until the summer of 2019. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, how much further on the back burner can you get? Right? I know. I know. <laughs> it's like all right, but they're still still right. in the stove, though, man. That's that's good. You know, like that, that's still in the game. But but I mean, obviously, the running is definitely on the wall for that show, right? Well, I don't know. I, I to be honest, I I think it's going to keep going. I mean, why would it not? You know, look, they've got the sets already. I mean, you've got the set for the Quinjet. You got the set for zephyr you got the set for the lighthouse i mean you're part of the marvel universe and as we often say it's like free advertising for the mcu right so 
I can just see it going on forever, but I guess we'll see. In terms of listener feedback, Fred sent us in two pieces this week, which I understand why he did. It's sort of in celebration of of episode 250 here at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. So we're going to listen to the first one now and then the second one later. So let's take a listen and see what Fred had to say about episode 106 of Dollhouse. Okay. Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some Dollhouse feedback. First off, congratulations on your 205th Sci-Fi TV Rewards podcast. It's an honor that I'm allowed to give some audio feedback for this very special episode. Of those 250, I still have quite a few to enjoy, such as two and a half seasons of The Librarians, the last season of Lost Girl, and the second and last season of Dark Angel. Last week I got some things mixed up because I skipped listening to your episode 5 podcast before I watched episode 6. And when I then did listen to that podcast, I made all kinds of, in the meanwhile, redundant notes. But this week, I did everything in the right order. I first listened to your episode 7 podcast and watched episode 8 afterwards. So, I can give now some proper feedback for episode 6, called Man on the Street. Huh? What? Episode 6? Well, episode 6 of season 1. But of course, I will give uh, some feedback for episode 8 of season 2 as well, entitled uh, Love Supreme. I will explain this. In episode 8, Joel Minor is played by Patton Oswald. Via IMDb, I tracked down in which episode Oswald was playing as well. Joel was one of Echo's clients in season 1. Once a year, he had to play a dece- uh, she had to play his deceased wife, Rebecca. She was a nurse, and he was a nobody until he made a fortune with his internet business. She didn't know he was that successful, but he wanted to tell her by buying a house for her. A very nice house, which she never saw, because on her way to the surprise he planned for her, she was run over by a truck and died. Once a year, Echo had to play Rebecca, arriving at the house. Bella tracked down Joel and intervened in the encounter with Echo. I think this is the first time Bella really meets Caroline. Of course she doesn't understand anything in her role as Rebecca. After some fighting with Joel's guards, Bella had a very interesting discussion with Joel. This scene is very well played by both actors. Echo is then taken away for a treatment by Boyd. I think that this conversation with Joel made Paul realize what he felt for Melly. In the beginning of the episode, they are just friendly neighbors, apart from one mistaken kiss. But after the discussion with with Joel, Ballard does have sex with Melly. Possibly after hearing Joel's story about losing his wife, Ballard realizes how many chances a person gets in his or her life. Ballard, however, in this discussion condemns Joel for using his money to get an enslaved woman. Of course Ballard does the same, but he is not aware that Mally is a doll. It's actually in this episode that we learn that Mally or Madeline or November is indeed a doll, and that she can be remotely switched from Mally, Ballard's neighbor, to a fighting machine. She knocks down the guy that is coming to kill her, uh, just by a phone call by Miss DeWitt. Miss DeWitt says, There are three flowers in a vase. The third flower is green. 
and then Melly changes into a fighting machine. And uh, after uh, the witch says exactly the same, but then yellow, she is just Melly again. So in this episode, we learn that remote controlling dolls is already possible. Of course, complete wiping is something quite different. What's also important in this episode is that Ballard gets suspended from the FBI because of the force he had used in, at Joel's house. Later in the episode, there is a big fight between Echo and Ballard uh, in and outside a Chinese kitchen. After this fight, Echo proves to have a message for Ballard. She's partly imprinted by a mole. In this way, Ballard learns more about the dollhouse. Some quotes, Ballard, I have to take down the dollhouse. And then Echo says, there are over 20 dollhouses in cities all around the world. They have ties to every major political power on the planet. You cannot possibly stop them alone. And there are actually already more hints at Epitaph 1 in this episode. In this episode there are all kinds of reporter interviews interspersed in between the other scenes. And one of and they just interview people on the street and other people. And one of them is a professor and he says, If that technology exists, it will be used. It will be abused. It will be global and it will be oh, and we will be over. As a species, we'll, we will cease to matter. The episode ends with a happy ending for Joel, because Echo does play Rebecca's role. The episode got an 8.7 on IMDb, but I think it's worth at least a 9.5 or an 8+. I checked your scores on the website and Dave gave, also gave it an A+, and Wayne an A. I think I will listen once more to that podcast. It has been quite some time ago. Uh, it's podcast 204, which is 46 podcasts back. Okay, that was all for season one, episode six. All right. Now, obviously, that's a great callback because that, that's the episode Man on the Street, the Joel Miner episode. And, and obviously, uh, Fred had the, the foresight to go back and take a look at it. And, and Fred, I think you're on to something that seeing Joel with Echo or Rebecca makes Ballard realize that, you know, he, he, he does have feelings for Melly. And you, I think you even mentioned, I don't know, maybe last week or the week before about Ballard having sex with her, even after he knew she was a doll. Right. And, you know, is it right that he did it? Well, probably not since it can't truly be reciprocal, but I do think that that's a good point that, that seeing that, made Ballard kind of reevaluate how he felt about Melly. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Sure. Yeah. So, but you know, um, I always kind of held it like that, that, you know, that, that, that when he had sex with Melly, like we don't 100% condemn him because like, even I think we'd say at the time, like, you know, she's just really so like sad and hurt, not understanding why he is shutting her out. You know, and and even though she's a quote unquote doll, that's a person, right? She's a personality. She's expressing real hurt. You know, I think, I guess, to call it real hurt. You know, I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 sketchy, right? It is, and and I mean, on the one hand, uh, we can understand it, but on the other hand, yeah, I, yeah. It, as you say, it is pretty sketchy. And so. she, but, yeah, right. 
So, all right. Now we'll, we'll take a listen to Fred's other piece of feedback for the episode we're going to talk about uh, in the usual spot for listener feedback. But uh, as always, great feedback, Fred. And uh, you know, I think it was perfect to go back and revisit 106 based on what we're going to look at tonight. So, now tonight we're looking at episode 208, A Love Supreme written by Jenny DeArmit, and this is only one of two writing credits that she has for her career. I mean, she was part of the writing team for Dollhouse, but this was her only script, and she did one other for another show. I forget what it was. Directed by David Strayton, who directed episode 106, Man on the Street. So there certainly is symmetry there. And this one aired as the second episode on December 11th, 2009. Right, now, one of the things that this episode got me to think about is the return of Alpha. And has Alan Tudyk right. been underused in that role in this series? And I, I know on the one hand it might seem rhetorical, but I'm just not sure, really. I, I, what do you think? Well, I'm going to take a definitive stand here and say yes and no. Okay. Um Yes, he's underused in that Alan Tudyk is awesome, and uh, he's a great actor, fa- fabulous character actor. And when he's alpha, he just adds so much more. He like just kind of brings the juice up to like eleven uh, on the show. Now that being said, what I discovered last year watching Arrow, I really hate is when you have this bad guy who's like almost too formidable, you know, like you, like there, I can't even remember the, I think it was Adrian or someone was the bad guy last season, but you know, they, you know, they, they like almost get him, but then he defeat them and then they almost get him and they defeat them. And, and, and it was just this whole thing. Like the whole effing season, they just are chasing this guy. And he's escaping every single episode and it gets to be like frustrating. Like, you know, like there's only so much at, at a point where you're like, you know what? I'm I'm done with this. Like he's he's just going to get away. What's the point of you even coming up with some big plan? He's, it's not going to work, you know. And and that would clearly what it would have been with Alpha. You know, like they would have been chasing him all the time. He would just keep getting away, and and it would. So in, in that sense, then I think they probably um, made a good decision in the you know not using him as much. Now, we also have the return of Echo. We have DeWitt back in charge of the house, and she's in charge of Topher once again. So order has been restored. But Alpha's motivation, I find fascinating in this episode because she is his number one, and it used to be whiskey, but he's more interested in why Echo loves Ballard without being programmed to love him. Well, he seems like a little jealous, right? Well, he does. And then it got me to thinking, is he after information or revenge? I mean, it certainly seems like revenge, but he he is after information, which I find fascinating. Yeah, I think it's kind of a little bit of both, like information and revenge, you know? Well, and he also brings up to Ballard, I'm the idiot who introduced you, which is a right. call back to the pilot and the envelope with the photos of Caroline. And I thought, Oh, that's a, that's a great callback. I, not that I yeah. forgot about it, but you know, it wasn't in my uh, frame of reference at that point. Now, you know, we'll get to this scene in a second, but they find alpha on that rooftop. Why not perform a remote wipe right then? I mean, do they not have the device with them? And 
If they don't, I'm thinking, why not? Since they know they're going after Alpha, but yeah, we'll come or back to that. Would would remote wipe work on him, right? Because it doesn't work on Echo. Well, that's true. That that that's a good point. And, and I guess if you look at the similarities between the two, that that probably does make sense. Although I, I think if I'm Ballard and Boyd, I'd probably bring it along just in case. You never know. One one of the things we've talked about is how these individuals will handle the information that they had these romantic encounters during their five years as an active in the dollhouse and whether or not they were told that was going to be the case up front. And, and, you know, we've talked about that a lot, but here we get a little bit of how echo emotionally handles the romantic engagements now that she's aware. And it seems as if she just lets it roll off her back. It's part of the job. She channels that individual Mm -hmm. and, no, this this individual is in love with this guy, so I'm on board. And yeah, I don't want to say that's weird or strange, but it, it kind of is. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Well, I mean, like you know, we're, we're talking about a, a show where people can be have their personality wiped and have another one put in, and this is what we're calling strange, right? Well, good point. Um, yeah, I, I mean, but the, like what I think what I found strange about it, or what kind of off-putting i guess is that well yeah is it really like at least before we would say they you know put this personality into her and then they take it out and it's all forgotten everything that happened so it's like just back to ground zero but now it seems like she she doesn't forget that stuff she can't forget it so like she has to make a conscious decision to engage in these things now. Whereas before that decision was made for her. Right. Yeah. But, and so, you know, what that does is I think that makes her that much more heroic that, you know, she's going to do this thing that she doesn't really want to do, but it's what needs to be done in the, in, I guess for, for their plans to work and everything. So, yeah. And, and we wonder how much of their experience in the dollhouse will they carry with them after they've supposedly been wiped and had their original imprint reinstalled by Topher, because he even mentions you can't ever really delete a program. And right. and that comment brought back the uh, episode with the woman who asks Adele to solve her murder. Uh, right. And, and just that idea that, well, geez a consciousness never has to die. You just need a new body. And, you know, obviously that's a whole other set of problems. That's sort of like, gosh, what's the show that was on Netflix where the wealthy can just put their consciousness into a new body? Uh, gosh, yeah. We, yeah. We watched uh, um, it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, oh, Lord. Uh, uh, wait. Altered Carbon. Altered Carbon. Exactly. Wow. So, that was, I mean, that, would, that would have been sad. Right. But but that's where we would be headed with this dollhouse technology. And, and when Topher said that, you know, it really hit home. I mean, obviously, there are other problems down the road, but uh, that's certainly one. Now, great opening scene. The former dollhouse client sitting outside a trailer talking to Alpha and tells Alpha that he loved an abstraction to destitution, that he blew his entire fortune on the right. dollhouse, which in and of itself is one thing, 
This is about yeah. as far away from the dollhouse as you can get. I, I love that contrast. I mean, we know that the dollhouse is in L.A., and we know there are deserts in L.A., and, and certainly Arizona is right next to California. But this is about as far away as you can get from L.A. and the dollhouse. And, and right. I, well, at first, I wasn't even sure what time it was set in because it's an older trailer, right? Yeah. Um, the the dude is wearing clothes that could easily fit into the late fifties, early sixties, and what we later to find out to be Alpha, but we don't see him at first, is wearing a three piece suit, which isn't like something people really do anymore. So, you know, at first I'm like, well, when is this? You know, like I'm wondering if we're going to see some kind of origin story about the dollhouse or something. But now you realize, oh, it's just it is today. It's just everyone's gone retro right and then he takes the knife and guts the guy and uh yeah you know, blood against the trailer and then we go yeah, straight from, we go straight from that scene into echo in a straight jacket being interrogated by victor who's been imprinted with a, a shrink imprint and you know we talked last time about sierra and victor being employed as scientists so, I mean, this does seem to be something new that, that they've taken that next step. I mean, certainly we had Dr. Saunders, who we knew was whiskey and was imprinted with Dr. Saunders' skill set. But this seems to be something that either Topher or what we would imagine it's probably DeWitt's decision. Yeah, well, absolutely. So in this brave new world, you know, would medical school even be necessary anymore, right? No, right, why, it wouldn't. Why send people to learn to be a doctor when you can just dial a doctor up and implant it into someone in seconds? Or with any skill for that matter. Right, absolutely. I mean, perhaps some physical skills would be difficult to imprint because, you know, of body type or or right. or whatever, but Yeah, you could imprint Nadia Comaneci in my brain and I'm still not going to be able to do a backflip. Right. Now, the other thing that runs throughout the episode is DeWitt trying to get the truth out of Ballard and Boyd. And I contend she knows the truth right from the beginning. She just wants them to say it. And right. I love the fact that neither of them, especially Ballard, will will do it. I mean, she challenges Ballard about how Echo survived in the doll state. And his answer, well, she's special. Okay, (laughs) what kind of answer is that? Well, yeah, anyone who's ever taught teenagers at all has gone the the shrug and the, I don't know, as as an answer, you know. So, like, you know, like that's pretty much how he answers her, you know, like, I don't know know how she did. (laughs) And, And seeing Boyd and Ballard really working together and thinking how far the two of them have come, and Boyd tells him, she's just trying to make you squirm. Dude, you need to man up, he tells him, and not let DeWitt get to you. Yeah, which is absolutely right. And how does Ballard not see that, you know? Well, like, dude, like, how did you get into the FBI in the first place? Right. Now, Topher is kind of caught in the middle, and he confides in Boyd and Ballard, and they break the news to him that, 
Echo is now self-aware and able to control every imprint she's had. That includes the ones that Alpha dumped into her. And I don't think we get a number, but I don't think it really matters. But those questions that Topher asks, well, what does that make her? What is she? And that's sort of the fundamental question of this whole episode and, and maybe even the entire series. Well, right. I mean, we've been kind of wrangling with that issue for a couple of weeks now, right? Yeah. And so, so I don't, yeah, like, what, yeah, we don't, we, we, yeah, I don't, I don't think we've still, even at this point, have really gotten any kind of, you know, definitiveness as, as to the, what the answer to that question is. Right. And, and even though this is not the question that she's responding to, DeWitt tells Ballard in the dollhouse, things aren't always what they seem. Well, okay, now is that just more of her uh, vague, obtuse comment to continue to make him squirm? Uh, I mean, is she calling his bluff by telling him that she's going to send Echo on a romantic engagement? Again, I think she knows it's just she wants them to tell her the truth. Now, maybe she doesn't know the extent. I'll, I'll, I'll certainly give you that because of what we saw with Echo and Ballard back at the apartment and their training sessions. And, and we really learned that she is able to access a specific imprint when she wants to. And, and certainly she's getting better at it. So DeWitt may not know the whole story, but she certainly knows that. And, and she says, look, I know she had help. Well, who helped her? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, right. yeah. like you said. So Ballard takes Echo for a treatment and, and, and Topher, you know, we've really watched Topher, I don't want to say degenerate because that's probably not accurate because from a technical standpoint, he's still got all his skills, but he's not the jokester that he once was. I mean, yes, he still has some clever lines. That's, I think, just hardwired into his personality. But he's having a difficult time getting a handle on what's going on with Echo. And I I guess you might say, well, he's got a good reason to do that. And then when they're going to send her on that romantic engagement, when Echo hears what the engagement is, she says, hold on, I don't need the chair. I can do this. And she's able to call on the sister-in-law without being imprinted. Right. Yeah, yeah. Which does... Yeah, that was crazy. And that freaks him out. Like, did you see his face? Like, Well, like, yeah, but it does lead to maybe the, the funniest line of the episode where he says, I'm obsolete. This must be what old people feel like. And Blockbuster. Yeah. <laughs> and Blockbuster, yeah. I was trying to think. This is 09. I guess, yeah, I guess 09. By that time, the, uh, the, the videotape or the... the yeah, Redbox had kind of displaced uh, Blockbuster for for well and for good. Yeah, you know, I was tr- thinking about that today. It's God, I mean, how time flies, but uh, but yeah. but yeah. So, did you just as a side? Did you hear what like John? Ol- you know John Oliver, right? I do. So you know what he did? Do you watch the John Oliver show? Uh, no, you know I don't. <laughs> so they uh, they went on an auction. Like Russell Crowe was auctioning off a lot of his old uh memorabilia because he's getting divorced he needs some cash and so the uh the john oliver show bought a lot of this stuff and then they donated it to like the last blockbuster in america or one of the last ones out in alaska so like they have like the cod piece that he wore in like gladiator or no no, not gladiator uh the one he was the boxer and everything you know like yeah so 
so now this place out in, Af- in uh, Alaska has uh, all this Russell Crowe uh, memorabilia. Oh, cool. <laughs> Maybe that'll be a selling point. They can get uh, the tourism to to follow the Russell Crowe memorabilia. Yeah, there you go. Probably not, though. But uh, now, again, I, I'm certain that DeWitt knows exactly what she's doing by sending Echo on this romantic engagement. Now, on the one hand, it was you know, called in, and we'll get to that in a second. On the other, I think she understands that Ballard is going to verbalize what he does is that he doesn't want to be her pimp. And unfortunately, dude, that's what you are. I mean, that's kind of what you signed up for when you became her handler, taken over for Boyd. But they also know that that if they push her too hard, DeWitt that is, they're going to end up in the attic. And I, I noticed we do have an episode entitled The Attic coming up in a couple. We've right. only got four more before we get to Epitaph yeah. 2. Right, right. Right. Um, yeah, well, you know, I think he's probably a little less, her- like he still obviously is, though he's not profiting from her labor here, um, like monetarily. Though I guess I assume he is pulling a salary down from the dollhouse. But um, I'd say he, you know, is probably less morally i don't know the word for it um ambiguous than it was before because now as we said she's making the conscious decision to do this whereas before she had no decision she she had no choice at all in it well you know it's fascinating you say that because i it makes me think that if dewitt knows that she is making these conscious decisions for herself what will that force DeWitt to do? You know, I mean, I, I don't know that, that we like the outcome. I mean, would DeWitt send her to the attic because of that? Or does DeWitt have a fondness for Echo as well? Well, and again, you know, we revert back to Epitaph 1 where we know, you know, what the outcome basically of all this is. And, uh, you know, we, we know that... Uh, that they're all going to be kind of teamed up together in the dollhouse and that uh, Caroline slash Echo slash whoever she is is going to be out there in the world, uh, ultimately finding her way into the body of a little kid. Right. Yeah. Now, she goes to the engagement. It's it's this guy named Frank, and and I guess he has a thing for his sister-in-law. But they find him dead, and he's been dead for a week and then we find out that the engagement was only arranged the day before. Once they start putting the pieces together, they realize that it was Alpha that made the appointment. But the key point here is that once she sees Frank's decomposing body, she freaks out and, and doesn't really come out of it. It would seem like she kind of got locked into that one personality. He's not able to, you know, compare it to like, scrolling through characters on the video game she's not able to you know dial up a different character because she's you know been something's happened to stick her on in that character right and and this is at least for a little bit right and and this is the point where ballard and boyd really have to come clean to a certain extent with what's been going on and she thinks alpha and echo are in this together and that's a reasonable assumption to make because of their history together but now everybody's a suspect and and i love she tells them both that they're on a short leash at this point 
And she might as well ha- have just taken her index finger and pointed up that, you know, yeah. <laughs> if, if we have this conversation again, yeah, you're not going to like the result. You, you know where you're going, buddy. Right. But then they just, they figure out that, okay, he's, he's tracking down former romantic clients. They go down the list and nope, he's dead. Nope. He's in, you know, Alaska or wherever. And, and yeah. they realize that the only one left is, is Joel Minor. But, well, no, uh, the guy Matt too, right? Oh, right, right, right. Before we get to Joel Miner, and and obviously it was great to see Patton Oswalt again as well. Sure, but, always. But uh, Sierra comes in before Topher puts her in the chair. I mean, she's talking like a nineteen forties dame, and yeah. it, it was just awesome. I mean, the nineteen forties <laughs> movie dame. I, I doubt anyone actually ever. <laughs> talk like that in the history of humankind yeah, but. good point but the, you know her her dress was beautiful i mean she's beautiful yeah. the you know the lines that they wrote for her were just spot on and then she mentions a message from alpha and of course it comes in the form of a little bit of a riddle and you know they figure out who the next victim is and, and right that's the guy you're talking about when they find alpha on the rooftop with the guy strapped to a chair an yeah. explosive strapped to his chest. And I got to tell you, no, no matter how many times I see this episode, I'm always surprised, and I don't know why, but <laughs> I'm surprised when he blows up. the guy up. Yeah. Like, I forgot about that. And I was like, damn. Um, well, this is actually the third time we've seen this guy, though, too. Well, that's true. Because he was the, the very first engagement uh, that we will not necessarily echoes very, but the first one we saw her with in the pilot with the uh, with the motorcycles, um, and then in the the episode where they went to the college campus, she was having an engagement with him, and she left him like uh, handcuffed to the bed. Right. And so this poor guy's luck has just gotten kind of worse and worse to you know the point where he gets you know blown to smithereens just like right in front of us like the camera doesn't even pan away or anything like that it's just like it's there and boom he's all blown up well like, you see the one bit i don't know if it ended up hitting the ca- the one camera but it, it sure looked like it and yeah. uh yeah it, it was a perfect opportunity for some sort of a witty line for ballard or boyd but uh, i guess uh, they decide to not go there and and that's okay right. when you i guess when you see something like that in real life you don't think of like clever catchphrases you know like like in real life you just say holy shit you know like right. you know you don't you don't like try to think of some witty thing like you know, right yeah well, i guess he uh i don't know yeah. i can't even think of one now but <laughs> well they go down their list and, and joel miners the the last one on they've got a little bit of difficulty tracking him down but finally ballard finds him on the beach and that's pretty funny he's like uh, you know don't hit me don't you know i don't want to you know go through this again and it's like no no i'm with the dollhouse now and it's like really but once they get him back to the dollhouse i i love topher going all fanboy on him and he's really not interested at all i mean i know dewitt at one point says you know mr brink you know he, he's got enough toys to show you that'll take you know a couple days or whatever but he's i'm not sure if joel minor is just kind of freaked out by what it is they're telling him which is certainly not the whole story at this point or is he sort of excited about seeing echo 
Or is it even something that once we learn he's getting married again, is he somehow afraid to see Echo? You know? Yeah. You know, it, it's, I noticed that he was, when Ballard, uh, Ballard approaches him on the beach, he's very resistant. No, get away. I don't want anything to do with you. I, I don't do that anymore. I'm about to get married. And then Echo shows up, of course, with his wife, like imprinted on her. And he's just like, uh, okay, I'll come with you then. Yeah. You know? Like that totally flips him around at that point. Um, so I would tend to agree with what you said about you know him wanting to spend time with Echo as his wife. Right. And I can understand on the one hand being afraid of the feelings it would dredge up. And, and I love how she handles it. And, and, and I'll talk about that in a second because before we get there though, DeWitt comes to them and tells them, I'm aware of your cabal and I will not be managed. Get her out of my sight. And just the use of the word cabal. I mean, <laughs> who uses yeah. that word? But I love it. It, it. it goes perfectly with Adele DeWitt's character. But that feeling that they are safe in what they perceive to be the dollhouse's impregnable walls and it takes Joel Minor. It's like, well, if he broke out, and even though he doesn't say the words, we know what everybody's thinking. Then he can break in, which, yeah. which of course he goes on to do. Right. And, and any time you say, "There's no way he'll get in here," well, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, then of course, of course Ade- Alpha walks into Adele's office. Actually, he was using her bathroom in, in her office, and and I love that because you you could see you mentioned him wearing a three piece suit. Um, and what a suit it was. And, yeah, it was a nice suit. And, and you can see her looking at him in his line, I've gone a little Brummel. And I know the name Bo Brummel, but I did have to look it up. Uh, he was a 19th century English authority on men's fashion yeah. and, and apparently very famous in his time. I just there was like a rock group called the Bo Brummels, right? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, there is. I don't, you know, I couldn't pick them out of a lineup or anything but but she's terrified and, and of course admits it to him and at this point nobody else knows he's in the house and then he starts showing her photos of his vacation and i assume they're crime scene type photos of the guys that he's killed along the way because ultimately he has the photos that he took of ballard and echo in, in the apartment but I don't think that's what he's showing her at this point. I think he's trying to freaking her. He's trying to frighten her and freak her out at this point. Yeah, well, we don't see at least at first we don't see what what those uh, pictures are, and yeah, that's it's only the the mind is left to to wonder what they are. And um, I think ultimately we see that I, I assume that they're the pictures he shows later of to show that he was stalking Echo and Ballad. Now, I wish I'd written down all the cliches that Alpha uses during the course of this episode, but finally Boyd and Ballard see him on their monitors, and then we we cut to Alpha, time to send in the clowns. And he's got a device that he activates, and then the dolls all start going ninja on, at first I thought it was each other, but I think it's pretty much on the guards. Almost a rebellion of sorts, and... 
Uh, you know, I've brought this up before, whether it's a nod to the play R.U.R., Rossum's Universal Robots, which was the 1921 play by Carol Capick, the Czech playwright. And obviously, we've got the Rossum Corporation, so we know Joss Whedon is aware of that play. But again, the, the rebellion against the creator, and you know, even though these aren't the actual creators, they are the handlers. So, Right. Well, and, and this is, again we are seeing epitaph one like before our eyes like if we you know each time they show us a detail we despair more and more that you know thinking because before we could always have like the 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 separation thing well this is a possible future that they're going to spend this whole season and at the end of it they're going to avoid this future but it just keeps looking more and more like this the future we saw in epitaph one is just totally going to happen yeah yeah. Now, Echo's still trapped in that room. Does she use a diamond to cut her way out? Is that? I did not catch that. Because you, you know how she's taking something to scratch the glass. Yeah. And she keeps making X's, and then I guess it weakens the glass. So I wondered whether she was wearing a diamond as part of that engagement. But regardless, she, she eventually gets out, but not before Victor takes out Ballard so that alpha can put ballard into the chair and now we start to get to the heart of what it is no pun intended that alpha's trying to get to really to the meaning of love and why she loves ballard without being programmed to love him and yeah and that's when he brings up you know the photos and as he says i know you didn't sleep with her which really that makes it worse it makes right? it worse that reinforces the fact that i know you love her that right. it's more than just handler feelings. And, yeah. well, and also part of it is like, not only why does she love you, but he's also kind of feeling why doesn't she love me? Like, you know, he's always been into echo. She's never reciprocated that at all. It's not like, uh, um, Sierra and Victor echo then breaks into DeWitt's office and, and, Maybe my favorite line. I mean, you know, Topher's line about uh, what old people feel like, you know, yeah. being obsolete. That, that was pretty good as well. But Echo comes into DeWitt's office. So do you want to talk or do you want me to save your ass? She knows, Echo that is, how Alpha is able to do what he's doing and why she's immune. And, and you know, you, you mentioned that uh, earlier. But Joel tells Echo that Alpha was after Ballard, not him. And then, of course, we see Ballard in a chair and he gets zapped. I'm thinking, okay, all of this is going on. And now Topher thinks about using his remote wipe device. Yeah. Um, dude, shouldn't you have thought about yeah. that? Like you know, with the first punch being thrown? Seems like he could have done that earlier. Yeah. Right. But, uh, you know, so Echo comes in. Boyfriend's dead. Want to snuggle? Too soon? <laughs> just again the the dynamic between the two of them is is just and, and again this is alan tudyk I, he's just there, there's nobody like alan tudyk no matter what movie what role he's playing and yeah i, I want to say he should be in more things but he, he is in a lot of things and I've, he's in a lot yeah he's pretty busy yeah so Echo sees Ballard on the floor unconscious, and that's when they start fighting. And, and it was a good fight scene, but it's clear he's just physically stronger than she sure. is. I mean, she might have all the tools, but he's got them as well, and he's yeah. bigger and stronger. And, I mean, bigger. and Alan yeah. Tudyk's a big guy in general. 
Yeah, he's, he's, he's a healthy-sized boy, yeah. for sure. And he's just throwing out one cliche after another, and, and she's ready to take him out. And then we find out that he imprinted himself with Ballard, which right. is a personality that takes over for a moment, and Ballard's imprint asks Echo to kill him. But yeah. she can't do it. And we understand nope. why she can't do it. Sure. But, I mean, how is it that Ballard's imprint works its way to the surface it's almost as if alpha wasn't able to control that and now that he's got that in there what's that gonna do for him right yeah because that's one thing that it doesn't seem like they can dispose of these personalities that once they're imprinted with a personality it's there for good right yeah and clearly alpha must know that you know, because he's been running around with however many personalities and he's learned to access. I don't know that he can access to the degree, though, that Echo can. Regardless, Topher starts remote wiping and, and things start to calm down a little bit. He and Boyd enter the office and then they find Echo on the floor cradling Ballard's body. And, and Joel Miner says, yeah, I'll see you guys later. You know, um, yeah. I, I think I'll be just as safe anywhere. <laughs> It doesn't have to be the dollhouse. But I love Echo channels Rebecca for a moment. And it just was really touching when she asks about his new bride, as if to just give him that peace of mind that he's doing the right thing, that his dead wife, as she says, wouldn't want him to be alone. Right. And, and he needs, like, he obviously never really got closure with that relationship, right. you know, which is understandable. She was taken, tragically taken from him uh, well before she should have. And he has been dealing, and so he apparently has made a big step in that he no longer engages that fantasy. Um, went out, found a real girl, is about to get remarried. So clearly he's. But it seems like he still need that last little bit for her to say it's okay for him to really be able to move on. Right. And, and that, that she recognizes that, I think, is, is just it's really a beautiful scene. So Yeah, it was a nice scene. Right. And that, I, I, In my notes, I have touching. It's yeah. the same word that you use. Yeah, so. and then, of course, then we end with Ballard on life support, DeWitt looking stunned, and who the heck knows what Echo's feeling. So... Um, so he's only mostly dead. Right. right. So, uh, yeah. Any, anything else you want to bring up about this episode? Yeah, you know, just like, I mean, like the big thing, like to me, um, the big takeaway is, like, yeah, here we are, another big leap actually here towards the world. Because this is, is it the first time that, you know, that, well, no, we saw it before, you know, being able to use that technology to actually turn the dolls violent. And to get them, and and we had seen it like on a single basis a couple episodes ago, but here to see all of them go crazy at once, it's uh, it's kind of chilling. Yeah, and and you know I'm gonna go with a full A on this one because I think there's a lot there. I mean, uh, what you just said for sure, Alpha's depth of thought and, and and the fact that he really wants to get at the heart of this question about what is love and i mean look i mean that's a, a question that the poets have been asking for hundreds of years yeah there was action you know it it certainly pushes the storyline to a place that you know we, we know where we're going to head 
But uh, I, I'm going to go with an A. I, I thought A minus for a while, but I'm going to go A. I gave it an A minus uh, just because I just like I don't know. I liked it a lot, but I just I, you know I I, I want to reserve that upper echelon grade for later episodes. Okay. So fair enough. So all right, now Fred also checked in with some feedback on episode two hundred eight. So let's take a listen to what Fred had to say. Hello, this is Fred again with some feedback on season two, episode eight. The opening scene with Alpha and Frank Pierce is tense and gruesome. I checked IMDb uh, if he had seen this Frank Pierce before, but the actor who portrayed him is only credited just for this episode. I have some uh, quotes from the episode which are nice and perhaps important. One quote is the wit. I suppose we must take into account the fact that Echo is special. And Ballard says... You're punishing her for surviving. It's completely lunacy. The wit. You're wrong, Mr. Ballard. I'm very sorry for Echo suffering, but we must have answers. Ballard. So, if she floats, she's a witch. Ballard to Tova. The wipes just push everything down, but it all surfaces again. And now she can control what and when. Tova. She can control? What does this make her? What is she? And this is exactly what I said in my last feedback. Um, I said, how can she, uh, Echo, say who she is, knowing that she originated from just one person, Caroline, on which a layer is laid of 36 personalities? And there are other quotes from this episode which also uh, give the same direction. Tova to Boyd. She's in control, not you, not Paul. And who is she again? Does she still trust you with her life? And is that because she's programmed? Or just because you're a swell guy with a trustworthy bro? And then Echo walks in and says, I like to think both. Tova, oh, she's here. You're all here. Nice to meet you. And then Tova shakes her hand. And Echo says, we have met Tover, don't you remember? And then Tover says, she's funny. And he laughs and he says silently to uh, Ballard and uh, Boyd, is that a good sign? The next is the funniest quote, I think. Tover, well, Frank wants Susan, who I guess is his wife. Whoa, no, it's his sister-in-law. Susan, you are a heartbreaker. Or are you going to be... So, if you could just hop on the chair for me. Echo, after uh, calling Susan in, in herself, without going in the chair. I'm going to see Frank today. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I can't wait. And then Echo is getting back uh, to Echo. Got her. A repeat engagement. I had her filed away. Shall we go? And Tover. I'm obsolete. This must be what old people feel like. Another nice one of uh, Mr. Witt is, uh, Alpha, what proof do we have? Boyd, aside from the note, nothing. Ballard, but it makes sense. He is the only one out there with the knowledge of this place and an, abs an obsession for Echo. And the Witt, I thought that was you, Mr. Ballard. And Bella said, you're hilarious. Uh, one very uh, important quote, I think, is from Alpha on the Roof, just before he bombs Matt uh, Cargill. There are many parts of me 
that know that that know that this is wrong, none that care, and six just find it funny. You know what's fun not funny is that she actually cares about these guys. You know what I mean? She loves, but they are just using her. Not even every part of her, just the piece that they serve them. They are wasting her, so I'm going to waste them. And then he is going to bomb Matt Mac uh, Cargill. I just have some final remarks. There was a very nice interaction between Alpha and DeWitt. It was also a very nice escape by Echo from her holding cell, scratching the glass uh, in the door with a piece of camera glass and then smashing uh, the, the, the glass in the door. Uh, an essential quote by Adele to Alpha, I moved beyond chivalry onto self-preservation. And that's what we see of her. Um, the send in the clowns by, Elf, uh, by Alpha is just one more in the direction of Epitaph 1. Controlling a whole group of actives by one push of a button. One other question I have. Alpha says, for months you shared the same room. You never slept with her. You could have, but you didn't. If that's not love, are you gay? Ballard, no. And then Alpha says, then it's love. Why didn't Ballard just simply say yes? It could have saved him a brain death. Of course, we all wonder if and how he will survive. And big question is also, what effect will Ballard's personality have in Alpha? Best quote, quote of uh, Echo to Alpha, he is 10 times the man you are, and you're like 40 guys. I think this was a very good episode, especially if you have rewatched episode 6 of season 1. I will give this a 9.5 as well. Move your ass. We can hug it out later. Greetings. All the best. Fred from the Netherlands. All right. Now, as we've been saying, the, the fundamental question, aside from Alpha, who or what is Echo at this point and whether or not Caroline is still in there. And, and you know, we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks that I think she's still in there and, and, and has more control than I think you believe. Do you think I believe? Yeah, I mean, I think we had this discussion before where I really think Caroline is still maybe not controlling things. I think she's still in there, maybe not the main source of control, but I think she has more control than I think you think she has. And maybe I'm okay. wrong. Yeah, no, 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 that's fair. That's that's a fair assessment, I think, of, of at least how I feel, because I was about to say, yeah, I think that she, I, well, I'm not even sure she's in there. You know, like, again, Epitaph 1, we saw she's stored on the, the hard drive, basically, you know, so... Um, uh, but I don't know. I, I I feel like Echo, the the personality of Echo, is really w what is in charge, and that's not an imprinted. That's she is the the sum of all of these personalities. I think. Yep. yep. Now Fred also brings up that line we talked about about Topher feeling obsolete, and then he brings up the interaction between Dewitt and Alpha. I, I'm certainly amazed at how calm she remains in his presence because she uh, is well aware of who she's facing off against. And, and I thought, uh, and I think he even mocks her British accent at one point. I, f I forget what he says exactly, but now, well, she does say how she is like, you know, really super scared. Um, but yeah, she, well, she's British. So, you know, she's got to keep the stiff upper lip yeah. and, and uh, not, not show that you're afraid. And so, 
Yeah. yeah. And, and then he also brings up, and I think this is really important, about the effect that Ballard's imprint is going to have on Alpha because it's in there now. It's, it's not coming out unless Topher gets him in the chair, which doesn't seem likely at this point. But we get a hint of the effect it'll have when he tells Echo to kill him. And, of course, she can't because it's not only Ballard's consciousness, it's actually his voice, which I don't know that we've heard that before. Usually we just hear. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't like that. That I thought it just, you know, we didn't have to hear Paul's voice, right? right. Like, you know, Alan, too, the kid, he could manage that. He could do a, a, a Tamo Pennekid if he had to, but, you know, it, it, it brought a level of falseness to it. Of course, I'm saying this and all the things that uh, go on in here, that's the thing I count as false. But, uh, but you know, like I said, I, you know, I had problems with things that, that take me out of the story and remind me that I am watching a story. And that was like a big thing that kind of like, oh, Oh, I don't know about that. Well, because it's an element we've never seen before, and we understand from a narrative perspective why they do it here, but still, they they do it. And and again, I mean, if that's the biggest criticism we have, then I guess we'll let that go. So, all right. Well, we're winding down four more, and then epitaph two, and then after that, uh, we still to be determined. But I guess we'll leave it there and. I want to thank you guys for joining us. Um, that's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Love to hear what you guys think about anything that's going on in genre TV, what you're upset about in terms of getting canceled, what you're excited about in terms of renewal, maybe a new show that you want to bring to our attention. Join the Facebook group and you know maybe post it there and share it with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. If you're already a member, spread the word. Shoot us an email at sci-fi-tv-rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails can go via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can get through the website. And we'll be back next time to talk about Dollhouse Season 2, Episode 9, titled Stop, Loss. But until then... Yeah, it's funny because like, there's a, a little bit of this reminded me of when I asked my wife to, to marry me. and there I'm sitting there kneeling at her feet and she looked down at me and she just said, You're a little bit of a freak, aren't you? I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> <laughs>